0: on family. Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hit. It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had a great weekend. A lot of wrestling happened this weekend, so we'll certainly get into some of the major things that are going on for sure, but as we always like to do, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the Faction. It really means the world. What a year we've had, and we're working on some cool things next week or So, around the end of the year, you guys know it's my favorite time of the year. We love looking back, and it's been a huge year in the world of pro wrestling. So, we will get into all of that in the coming weeks. Be on the lookout for that. But as always, thank you so much to those of you who follow us on the socials Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. It's amazingly cool that you're following us. And those who are subscribed to us via podcast, be that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or now on Spotify, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the continued support. If you're not already doing that, it's super easy. However you're listening to us right now, click the subscribe button. Or if you're brand new, welcome aboard. We appreciate it. Or if you have some friends who wanna find us, find out how they listen to podcasts and have them look for the faction on those specific areas. All right, so there's a lot to get into. Uh, I won't fully get into SmackDown or Rampage, but I will tell you a little bit from a taping perspective about some things We'll talk about that in a little bit, but first, I want to get into, well, no, maybe I should start there. Let's start there, because I had the amazing opportunity to be present this past Wednesday night for AEW Dynamite live here in Atlanta, also for Rampage, which was taped that night as well. And an interesting story, I wasn't going to start with this, but we're here now, right? So there's an interesting wrestling trifecta that has impacted the faction. And that is Wednesday night AEW Dynamite here in Atlanta. Friday night, SmackDown was in San Antonio, the home of our good brother Courtney Beard. And he was present for SmackDown. And tonight is Monday Night Raw, you guessed it, in Memphis. And who will be front and center but our own... Brandon Clack you might even see him on TV so make sure you're watching because I think that's going to be a lot of fun so the faction Actually attending wrestling events all this weekend, pretty cool. I know we're going to come together, talk about that experience because that's a lot of fun. Some of you may have seen the video that we were able to capture uh, on that fall for Arn Anderson. I still can't believe over 20,000 views on Twitter, which is nuts, right? We also posted it on the Gram and, of course, on our Facebook page. If you haven't seen it, go ahead, check it out. It's a pretty wild look and it looked completely different from what they showed on TV. When they showed it on TV, the front view looked like it was just kind of small, but on the side view, that had potential to be very, very bad, and if it were not for some staging there, Arn Anderson would've fell through straight to the floor, easily a 15-foot drop, which would not have ended well for him at all. So. You can check it out. It's on my individual Twitter feed at Bonnerfied. Check it out. You'll find it there. And uh, it's a pretty wild look. Some other spots have picked it up as well. So shout out to all of the wrestling newsletters that have picked up that video. That's pretty crazy as well. All right. With all of that said, one quick behind the scenes note that I'll mention about both Dynamite and Rampage. Now, I will say, I've obviously been to a couple of AEW pay-per-views. The Dynamite piece flowed just a little bit differently. And what I mean by that is this, usually at WWE events for like Raw or SmackDown, They will show you some things that are going on during commercial break to really keep you engaged and involved. It wasn't quite that way for AEW, though I will say they weren't super long lulls. It was just a little different in terms of how they did it, but it all still very much worked. And they were certainly engaged with the crowd. The crowd was amazing here in Atlanta to no one's surprise. Some incredible matches happened. I'll also say this, and I've also wondered how Rampage would be handled because, of course, Rampage being one of those one hour shows, is it worth all of the finances, et cetera, et cetera, to tape Rampage on a separate night, you know, to literally rent an arena for Friday night to do that or to tape it on the back end of Dynamite? As you can tell, they've been taping some of them on the back end of Dynamite. What I think it's tough is I don't know if the people attending know that they're going to do Rampage after Dynamite. So I'm not fully sure of the best way for them to be able to communicate that. Maybe even when they buy the tickets to be able to say it is Dynamite and a taping of Rampage. But with that said, I understand it because it was kind of a long night. It started at 7 with matches being taped for Dark. Then it went to Dynamite. Then it went to Rampage. So it's a four-hour night. Also, on top of that, it's a school night for kids. People have to go to work. So I get it. All of that said, I think it was a great, great night for AEW. Some great, great action. Of course, who can forget that flaming table spot that happened in the Cody match? And I'll just say this. Cody Rhodes is way better than most of us give him credit for because Cody is that guy who literally had his hometown booing him when he came out. And by the end of the night, they were cheering him and singing his praises. So that's pretty remarkable, to say the least. And if you can do that in your hometown, then you should be good virtually anywhere else. All right. So again, hope you had a chance to check out Dynamite and Rampage. Both great shows, was honored to be there. Of course, our good brother, Courtney Beard, was at SmackDown, which SmackDown was a pretty incredible show, The Return of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar as a baby face is way more interesting than we thought he would be, right? Obviously, he didn't talk a whole lot as a heel, but his conversations, the things that he's saying, he's funny, yet he's still a beast, So it's pretty wild to see how all that's happening. Of course, those things are leading us to the day one pay-per-view, which will happen here in Atlanta on New Year's Day. Now then, it's time to get into some big pay-per-views that happened over the weekend, which kicks off with the NWA as they presented NWA Hard Times 2.
1: I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy
0: shaping Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here.
1: I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90
0: days later.
1: And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see And there is a you that will always be the SHW. Join us as we ring in the holidays with SHW 34. Friday, December 10th at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. Owen Knight, your new SHW champion. Owen Knight defends his Southern Honor Championship against number one contender, AC Matt
0: tech x the two-time shw tag team
1: champions technical excellence defends their tag team title as they do battle with the infantry Logan Chase puts his career on the line as All-Star Special takes on The Approved. You've got to be kidding me. Holy cow. The People's Captain Gunnar Miller goes one-on-one with the Priest of Punishment, Judas. And former tag team partners collide as Jordan Kingsley faces off against Kevin Ryan. This is insane what we're seeing right now. Plus, Joe Black, the heathen Cruel, Cyrus the Destroyer, and more. And more. Tickets on sale starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7. Bell time at 8. You don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling.
0: All right, so the NWA made their triumphant return here to Atlanta All weekend long, they have been doing some tapings. It started Friday night with the announcement of a brand new show called NWA USA. So if you're familiar, NWA, of course, had been working with their show Power, which began being taped, of course, here in Atlanta at the GPB Studios. From there, the pandemic happened. It caused a slight partnership, and I say slight because it was a brief partnership with the UWN, the United Wrestling Network. Work. Then it moved to them doing some tapings for Power with no audience. And then when the NWA 73 show happened in St. Louis, they did some Power tapings there. Well, now they have announced this new NWA USA show. The design of the show—it's supposed to be quicker action. All sorts of things are supposed to be happening with it. So those shows taped on Friday. And here, perhaps, is the biggest piece of news that. NWA USA will be available on YouTube, much like NWA Power used to be. So if you missed Power and all that type of thing, look for the NWA to have content on their YouTube page. It's called NWA USA. Now, NWA Power will still be available on Fight TV for a subscription of $4.99 a month, but NWA USA will certainly have some things happening that will lead you into pay-per-views, will keep certain storylines going, and will give you that whole feel of the NWA once again on YouTube. Once we get a date, for when that's going to debut will clearly let you know. So definitely gonna be some really, really good things there. Now then to the pay-per-view, which happened Saturday night, available on Fight TV. It's so a couple of things we know. One of the things that we know is officially debuting, and it happened during the pre-show, is someone that I'm really excited to finally get to see. His name is Darius Lockhart. Darius Lockhart is a bit of an indie legend. He's known as the revolutionary. He's an indie legend in African-American wrestlers. He has really been involved with working with so many people from Lee Moriarty to Trisha Dora and many, many others. So now him being on a national platform like the NWA is a really good moment. I can't wait to see some of the things that he's going to do. With that said, let's get into the sum of the card. Anthony Mayweather defeats Jax Dane, the Hex, which are the NWA women's world tag team champions. They defeat Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn, Missa Kate and Natalia Markova, and Genocide and Paola Blaze. Then we had Homicide win a gauntlet match in the NWA World Junior Heavyweight qualifying match. He defeated Alex Taylor, C.W. Anderson, Darius Lockhart, Aria Davari, Jeremiah Plunkett, Jamie Stanley, Carrie Morton, Luke Hawks, P.J. Hawks, Sal Renaro, Victor Benjamin, and Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. In another junior heavyweight championship qualifying match, Austin Aries defeated Rhett Titus, Rhett Titus of course from Ring of Honor. Speaking of Ring of Honor, the OGK, which are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, successfully defended their titles against former NWA tag champions Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos. Kobe Carino defeated Doug Williams. The Impact Knockouts Championship was up for grabs as Mickey James defeated Kiara Hogan. Tyrus retained the World Television Championship by defeating Sion. Chris Adonis retained the NWA National Championship by defeating Judas La Rebellion, defeated The End to retain the World Tag Team Championships, and then we also saw the debut of Dirty Dango, formerly known as Fandango, who looks like he'll be teaming up with JTG. Pretty excited about that team. Nick Aldis defeats Tom Lattimore. Camille successfully defends the NWA Women's World Title against Molina. Trevor Murdoch retains the NWA World Heavyweight Championship by defeating Mike Knox. So those are all of your results from NWA Hard Times 2. I can't wait to have the NWA conversation when we look at our end of the year conversation because they may get the award or the recognition for comeback of the year. Certainly coming into the year, it seemed like the NWA was dead in the water They finally announced their comeback and they have slowly built to regaining their audience, sold out shows, et cetera, et cetera. So really excited for the return of the NWA. With that said, we have to talk about NXT War Games, which happened last night. This is going to be a spoiler if you've not watched already. So if you haven't watched and you don't want it spoiled, go ahead and hit the pause button, watch, and then come back here to the podcast. So now then, let's go over the results in the women's War Games Match, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray defeated Toxic Attraction and Dakota Kai. Imperium defeated Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner in an NXT tag team title match. Cameron Grimes defeated Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. Roderick Strong retained the cruiserweight championship against Joe Gacy. And in the main event, Team 2.0 defeated Team Black and Gold in war games. So there's a lot of takeaways from this NXT pay-per-view. Let's start here. The fact that it's no longer an NXT takeover, but NXT war games happened and suddenly felt like takeover was pretty intriguing. I have to tell you, I was really concerned as to whether or not the new crop of NXT superstars were prepared for such a heavy undertaking like war games. They've not been in a pay-per-view situation before. They've not been certainly in war games before. So how would this be handled? I will say the overarching thought from the pay-per-view is it is clear the direction of NXT. They are very much looking, quote unquote, forward so they're pointing their eyes and their ears and their weight into the direction of their quote-unquote new stars. so Cora Jade ended up being the story of the women's war games match which I think it was expertly done I was concerned that she might have broken her arm and she still very well might have with that huge huge dive off of the top of the cage but They pulled off, I thought, a great, great match. I think the match of the night goes to the NXT Tag Team title match. Imperium versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Holy cow. That match alone gave me old school NXT TakeOver vibes. And I hate calling NXT TakeOver old school because it's not anything that's five years old is not old school right but this tag team title match was one for the books and certainly i would go on record and say the best match produced out of this nxt 2.0 situation by far cameron grimes duke hudson very entertaining i was excited to see grimes win i actually thought joe gacy was somehow going to defeat roderick strong just because of the push on the newcomers and the like. And then I heard there was talk of renaming the Cruiserweight Championship, but that didn't happen because Roderick Strong won the match. Team 2.0 defeating Team Black and Gold, I didn't like it, and I'll tell you why I didn't like it. A, because I knew it was going to happen, right? All of the things were pointing toward that team winning. It became very clear during the match that the fans were clearly behind black and gold. So the fans very much want the NXT that they've known and loved, not 2.0 but they're getting 2.0. Now, I will say that Braun Breaker was the absolute star of 2.0. I think he shined even greater than the North American champion, Carmelo Hayes. I think invisible in that whole thing was Tony D'Angelo. Like, what's your deal, guy? Invisible, nothing about him stood out except for wildly underhanded tactics. Grayson Waller, I think, is the embodiment of 2.0, the whole idea of being disrespectful to those who have paved the way, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also feel like it may have been our last time seeing Johnny Gargano in an NXT ring, and if that's the case, it's a sad day. Uh, He came out to his old DIY music with his old DIY trunks, no more talk of the way, and if this is how you're gonna go out, Man, what a performance. I'm glad he got to do the one thing in NXT that he did not have the opportunity to do, and that was participate in war games alongside Tommaso Ciampa. So, it's definitely clear NXT is in a new direction. Beth Phoenix, it was her last night, last night on commentary, and that kind of hurt my heart because I really enjoyed what she brought to the table. Who will replace her? I don't know. Uh, If they're still going for a woman, I don't know who they're going to grab, I've also heard that a number of other people are looking to leave NXT. Scotty Tuhati, who was one of the longtime coaches there, he has left. There's talk that there's just not the same environment, which I completely understand. There's not the same product, Where does Triple H fall into all of this? That's another big question that I have, because, of course, with that heart attack, they aren't really putting him in too many stressful positions, which I've got to imagine the NXT change, in my opinion, is a massive indictment on Triple H. It's a massive indictment, not that Triple H didn't do a great job in the eyes of the fans, but that he did not deliver NXT in a way that Vince McMahon would want. It's clear Vince McMahon wasn't interested in NXT being a third brand, but instead being a developmental brand. So now there's a lot of questions, obviously, and there's a story out there about whether or not Triple H could afford to leave WWE. Long story short, he can't because the family dynamics are in such a way that that if he left, it would cause a bigger rift than any of us could imagine. At least that's what the story says. I have to believe it. I can't see him working for someone other than WWE, though he has all the knowledge, all the tools, all of the resources to start his own deal if he really wanted to. So we'll have to watch how this goes. But I think when we start looking at the end of the year, the decline of NXT, the absence of Triple H, are pieces that we have to discuss for sure. So with that said, did you watch NXT War Games last night? Did you check out the NWA over the weekend? And what were your thoughts on all of the above? Let us know on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Faction Show. Remember again, Monday Night Raw happens tonight, live from Memphis, Tennessee. Our good brother, Brandon Clack, will be there. You may see him on TV, so be on the lookout. He'll likely be in the crowd. You can't mistake him as tall as he is, right? Also, all sorts of things happening this week, including final battle, the final pay-per-view from Ring of Honor, as we know it, before they go on what is supposed to be a three to four month hiatus. However, having listened to some of the conversation from some of the ROH superstars, this may be the end of Ring of Honor. So I think it'll be an interesting pay-per-view. I don't know what anything means coming out of Ring of Honor. Does it matter if you win the Ring of Honor World Championship? Does it matter if you win the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles if there's not going to be any defense of it, certainly in three to four months? Do they wipe the titles clean going into 2022? I don't know. A lot of questions. But I don't think coming into 2021 that I thought we would see the decline and the end of Ring of Honor, but we'll talk more about that when we get to our year-end review. All right, guys, make sure you're following us on the socials at The Faction Show. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts google podcasts and of course on spotify stay connected to what we're doing because we've got some great great things on the horizon until next time family representing for my good brothers courtney beard brandon clack and the fourth horseman john murray my name is gerard bonner and this is the faction